when I get to have like another female DM, I'm like, I'm ready to go. I am ready to like kick doors down for the rest of the day, like smash some glasses. <laughs> it just puts me in like this super like independent feminist mood for the rest of the day. <laughs> Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, guys. Thank y'all so much for tuning in today. I'm really excited to introduce the DM today because it's a girl. Thank you so much for being here, Kristen. Thank you very much for having me. I get so excited whenever, when I get to have like another female DM, I'm like, I'm ready to go. I am ready to like kick doors down for the rest of the day, like smash some glasses. It just puts me in like this super like independent feminist mood for the rest of the day. <laughs> well, I have two extra sets of glasses if you need to break a pair. <laughs> I get so excited. There's not many female DMs in the D&D community. That is true from what I've seen. Usually it tends to be a more male, I mean, I've seen quite a few female players actually, but not DMs. Yeah, I love it. I like to see the difference in, I mean, I like to see the difference in all DMs and like how they like to operate their games. But I, I don't know, maybe it's just because it's more relatable because I'm a girl. I get so excited. So how long have you been playing D&D &D and then how long have you been DMing? Playing for roughly eight years and DMing for at least on and off about seven. Oh, nice. That seems to be like the magic number that I've found lately is between five and seven years. I wish I could say I've been playing longer, but I, due to health reasons, I was mostly homeschooled. So I didn't get a lot of interaction with other people until I was in my late teens, almost early 20s. Do you feel like D&D &D really helped you with that, with like um, learning social skills and things? I think it does. It helped me quite a bit. It's how I've met quite a few of my good friends I have now. That I'm still actually, I even have a game running, not next week, the week after. Do you ever feel like as a DM, like you get to help your players work through those issues as well? Or struggles? Maybe issues is the wrong word. I think I do. There are times where um, I try to make some games that are more catered to helping the people get what they need out. And then there's some that... Again, from personal experience, if you dwell on something even too much, it can actually be more of a detriment than a help. So when I ask them to make a character, try to make one that's not you, something like that you want to be, not something that you're stressing over or worried about so much. That way it can give them a little uplifting experience. Yeah, I agree with that. I've had the pleasure to play with a few people who they create characters of people that they want to be. So that way they can learn how to live that way themselves. I think that's a, it's a fascinating tool. I, I've read that a lot of um, psychologists are also using it for children to help them learn how to deal with trauma or, because it's easier, they can get them to talk about something that happened to somebody else when it's, it's not always as easy to talk about what happened to you. Exactly. So I think it's, it's all in all just such a fascinating, uh, a fascinating, and I, I live in South Texas where, you know, D&D &D is witchcraft. And oh, God. Yeah, I got a story about that. It's really, it's really great. I'm so fond of it. She says with dripping sarcasm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
But we're not sacrificing babies in our basement. Yeah. We're sitting around eating pizza. Yeah. Yeah, I get, I get a lot of pizza or Chinese food. Yeah. Uh, sometimes I drink during, but never once have I sacrificed a baby. I certainly have not. Full confidence. Never once have I sacrificed <laughs> a baby. I can see that with 100% as well, that I've never done that. My husband's never done that. But None of my family or friends have ever done that. We're three for three so far, so <laughs> take that, Internet. What campaigns are you currently running? I am currently doing three modules. The Elemental Evil Princes of the Apocalypse for 5th edition. Mm -hmm. Out of Avernus, or Descent into Avernus, darn it, that's it, I'm confusing you with Out of the Abyss. The Baldur's Gate one, Descent? Yes. Oh, I, okay, I almost played that one. My players are right at the point where they're like, um, we're about to make the portal for you to go into Avernus. Mm-hmm. And one of my players keeps trying, I, I love my players, but sometimes it's like, eh. One of my players keeps insisting that, well, look, we'll just go to Elturel, we'll talk to the demon to say, look, we'll trade you Baldur's Gate for Elturel. <laughs> because Baldur's Gate sucks. <laughs> so I, I started D&D as, like, one of my friends was like, hey, I think this would be a lot of fun. We should all play D&D together. And all I knew about D&D was, was what was mentioned in Stranger Things. That's it. It was my entire knowledge of D&D. And I was like, ah. Oh, I don't know, man. It sounds kind of nerdy. I think I'm gonna sit it out. And he was like, no, 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 Natalie. It's creative storytelling. And I was like, damn it, I'm in. You sold me. So then we started- That's the magic words. Yeah, creative storytelling. I was like, done, done, let's do it. And uh, then we had to find a DM. Nobody, we didn't know any DMs uh, or like people that were available at the time. So I was like, well, what if I do it? I can get the books. I can learn how to do it. It can't be that hard. <clears throat> Famous last words. Yeah, yeah. And so I gave them the choice between the um the descension into that one. That one. Descent into Avernus? Yes. That yes. one or Curse of Strahd. And they chose Curse of Strahd. Do you prefer to be to do more like module stuff instead of more homebrew? Or do you um, like to take all the modules and then just mesh them? Honestly, depends on my mood. I in a way, I prefer homebrew because it gives me more creativity to explore, tweak, and do exactly what I want without having to worry about any years of D&D lore. If I want to make the devils the good guys and the angels the bad guys, I can do that because it's my game. Yes. I can't exactly do that in Descent to do Avernus. <laughs> That's fair. We work really hard to do away with that kind of structural kind of racism that can go in with D&D sometimes. So yeah. like in our campaign, we no longer have uh, racial bonuses. We have, you have four points and you can put them wherever you want. My players want to thank you for that, by the way. You told me that on Facebook about a week or so ago and I implemented that for the game mm -hmm. and they love it. It's fantastic. It's fantastic to say that all drow are evil or all tieflings are charismatic or whichever one they use for the, like, you know, that's not really fair. It's not realistic either. No, no, it's not. So we, we like to do it that way. Uh, and 
you know, you say you've read that book, The Curse of Strahd, and like you, you know, you mesh and you pull and depending on your mood, I have said it once, I have said it a hundred, I will say it a hundred times more. That book was the hardest damn book I have ever read. It was great. It was great. It was like, here's this really cool piece of story. Now read the description for the next 76 rooms in this castle. Oh, dear. I was like, uh, yeah, it was hard for me to read. It took me a hot minute to finish that damn book. If I could recommend anything with like, especially a dungeon piece like that, do not try to read it in one sitting. You will burn out. I took in my books to work with me, and anytime I'm on break, I just flip through a page or two before I go back to work. That's why I'm still going through it without getting burned. That's smart. That's smart. I did download the, um, no, I would go to like any flip, because you can get all the D&D books on any flip and just read anything on, I love that website. But I, I will, I'll go to any flip, and if I was slow at work, I would read it while I was still working. Um, so since you pull from so many places, do you feel like you're more of a prepper or an improver? I hate to say it, but again, it'd be both. Yeah? It depends on the situation, because sometimes my players will pull things out of the air, and I need to come up with, okay, what am I doing? What am I doing? Okay, we're going with this. I do try to prep. I try to do, like, you know, a chess play. You think so many moves ahead of your opponent. But sometimes you can't predict when your opponent literally picks it up the table and throws it in the air. <laughs> There are, I'm learning more and more that I like prepping less and less. I prefer that improv, but like, I mean, I'll, I'll get like this. So I, I use OneNote for all of my things and I have like all my things typed out in OneNote and then I can operate it. So that way I can keep it all like organized. I like to be really organized with it. But, you know, really other than the maps, I pretty much try to just improv it as much as I can. So that way I don't feel like, it stops me from railroading my players, which I know, I think that railroading to an extent is a good thing. Like sometimes yeah. it's necessary, especially in those beginning few sessions or in a one shot, you have to. Exactly. But if I prep less and improv more, then like, I don't even know what's gonna happen. So you guys can do whatever you want. <laughs> so do you have a moment where it's like, like you had it like that was your that was your proud dm moment your players were you had the emotions right kind of thing a few of those i'd say my proudest is when i ran back in california the prince of apocalypse elemental evil game where my players had the information about the water cult and about the giant fortress they had and my players, you know, they followed the book's rules of, you know, get some garbage, sneak in, pretending to be cultists. I gave them the rundown on, like, these are the people you run into, how they act, this is the environment, and what do you do? Now, of course, the book says that, well, players could do this, that, and the other thing. My players asked me, you know, can I give them a few minutes to talk? And I'm like, go right ahead. And they came up with a plan. One of them was going to infiltrate the actual, you know, priest-like cult bit. Another one was going to infiltrate the mercenaries group, the ones that weren't really cultists, just the hired help. The other was going to infiltrate the, I can't remember, it was the one that was like their, I guess, resident scholar. And they 
basically formed a coup against the Wereboard leader. The one who infiltrated the cultists made them believe that um, you know, the guy running it was not a true believer. The guy who convinced the mercenaries that like you're being ripped off for this, this isn't worth your time, made them turn on the group. And the one who was working with the scholar got all the dirt and information down on the Wereboard leader and how to kill him. And it was beautiful. They all role played. I role played with the, the characters they talked to. They did their roles in charisma or sneak checks and so on. It just, it was a beautiful coup. And it's like one of those cinematic moments in the movies where you see like the leaders of multiple groups get together and just battle royale. <laughs> and it was beautiful. That's fantastic. I love when all those pieces come together. And I rewarded one of the players with something special. He said that he was starting to, the way I role played the priestess, he was starting to actually fall for her because she was really nice and cute other than the overly water culty stuff. So I'm like, okay, when this is all over, you managed to take, she has a pearl on her. And thanks to the information that your teammate got from you from the scholar, it's a domination orb. You rip that off her neck and smash it, freeing her from the mind control of the cult. <gasps> he basically had like, he got his own girlfriend from that. Cause she, outside of the cult's influence, started to fall for him as well. Mm. Those feelings were true. Aww. It, it was just super sweet. That's adorable. And yes, I know the book says that no, that's under her own free will, but I'm like, I want to do it this way. <laughs> Make it whatever you want. Do you have a favorite homebrew magical item that you've created? Yes, I do. It, this was another game that I honestly want to relaunch again. Unfortunately, it ended on bad terms before, hopefully this time. Again, for me, growing and learning, it'll work out better. But have you ever seen the show Warehouse 13? Or know no. the concept? I the show not. was basically collecting all these weird paranormal magical items. And that was the case of this world. The players were supposed to collect these items in order to help a certain side of the war that was going on. Okay. And one of these items, this was also a big ethical dilemma that I put on the players. Um, they found there was a necklace. Actually, no, now I think about it, there's two items that I was really like, but we'll go with the necklace. <laughs> this necklace Honestly, it's very broken and OP, but the ethical thing will come in a minute. This necklace gave the wearer the ability to read, write, understand, and speak any given language in the D&D universe. Whoa. And they found it on a girl who was blind, deaf, and mute. The necklace gave her the ability to talk, to read, and to hear. Ooh. What? So the players had to make a choice. Take it away from her, ripping her ability to see, hear, and talk again, or try to figure out something to do with her. Eventually, they came to the conclusion of taking her to the capital city and becoming an advisor to the king. Yeah, you can't screw over Helen Keller. I mean, they could have. They could have. They could have. All right, they could. Was, <laughs> I've worked with murder hobos. They could easily. She was a commoner NPC. They could 
very easily just bobbed in her head and took it if they really didn't want to go through the ethical BS. Oh, man. Oh, man. What a choice. What a choice. I do have a funny magical item. Yes, please. Okay. Same town. They got contacted by a flunky from the mob boss of the underworld saying that there's a rival gang that's starting to grow and he believes that their leader has a magical coin. How the coin worked is if you keep flipping and getting heads, the better luck you're going to get. However, the second that coin hits tails, all that good luck will transfer to bad. Ooh. And this guy had been very lucky and kept getting heads. So the mob boss wanted them to get the coin back. And they got the coin back. They brought it to the mob boss and this is why I find it so funny. They get into his office and it's the scene of, you know, like a big burly guy with a chair, like they're facing the back of his chair and he's sitting there. The chair turns and you see the man like, I'd almost say like, I forget the name of that villain from Spider-Man. Fisk? I think that's it, yeah. It looked like him, but in his lap was a white Persian cat. The cat jumps off his lap, walks over to the coin, and picks it up and talks to them. And it's the same voice as the mob boss. They just figured out, then they look at the, the figure. It's a giant wooden puppet. It turns out that the mob boss had used that coin, and when he got tails, he got permanently polymorphed into a cat. (laughs) What a twist. Yep. (laughs) What a twist. The cat looked at the coin, handed it back to them, and said, okay, you got the coin, now get this thing out of my sight. I never want to see it again. (laughs) And, you know, you give these items to your players, and... It's like giving them a deck of many things. They're going to use it. My husband started flipping the coin. First one was heads. He finds three gold coins on the ground. Second heads. They pass by a bakery, and the baker just happens to come out with this nice, like, really fancy, high-quality loaf of herb and cheese bread and heard about their great adventures and gives them, like, multiple rations, like, at least a week's worth for each of them. Okay. Flips the coin a third time. Tails. All of a sudden, he feels something sharp hit the back of his neck. A child was playing with shurikens, and he took four points of piercing damage. (laughs) And he got hit in the back of the neck with a shuriken. Oh, that's beautiful. (laughs) That's fantastic. And, like, that can scale. Oh, you can, like, stack it, too. That's the idea. So like the more you use it and you would get heads, the better your luck would be. Yep. But when you get tails, then all that good luck you had accumulated would become bad. Translates to that much bad luck. Holy shit, that's beautiful. (laughs) And that's why the mob boss was trying to do a cat. (laughs) I'm writing that down. Good luck. Coin. So my favorite item is ridiculous. It's so silly and stupid and is completely pointless and it's only meant for RP. But it is the best uh, kind. So in my homebrew campaign, uh, there is a uh, (laughs) he's a goblin 
In actuality, he's a goblin. However, said goblin believes he is a half-orc who has not hit his growth spurt yet. Okay. Yeah, he's adorable. Um, he has this contraption that makes a glass of milk, pours a glass of milk for him, because his character is addicted to milk. And the only way for it to refill is to uh, <laughs> is to commit an act of kindness to a bovine creature. And it can't be the same bovine. So, like, you're, you're, right. you can return. Oh, that would be too easy. Yeah. So, like, you've got the three, it holds three charges. And so you can go to three different bovine creatures and then say, you know, and then once you use this one, once it's used, then you can go back to that bovine creature. But while its charge is still in the contraption, you cannot yeah. the same bovine creature. So, I imagine eventually they're going to have to fight a minotaur. And everybody else is going to oh, be fighting no. it. He's going to be like, but I love you. I want my milk. <laughs> and it's going to be great. That sounds like it's going to be great. I'm really looking forward to it. That This campaign has not actually kicked off yet. It's still, it, it's, it's getting ready to. But I'm super excited for that campaign. Um, okay, so the last bit of questions are less about Kristen as a DM and more about Kristen as a person, but it does bleed together. That's totally fine. If you could recommend a book, a movie, and a TV show. For a book, recently I fell in love with a book called Necropolis PD. Um, if you want to wait a second, I'll go grab it and give you the author's name. The author is Nathan, and I'm probably going to butcher his last name. I apologize. It's okay. Um, Sumsun? S-U-M-S-I-O-N. Sumsun? Yep. Interesting. Sumsun. All right. I'm probably also between that, but you know. Pronouncing names has never been my strong suit. <laughs> um, I've interviewed everybody, like people from all over the world recently, and I'm learning some names are really, really difficult. What about a movie? As cliche, well, actually, no, I got a good one. Only because it's kind of an off-the-wall one. Uh, DreamWorks Rise of the Guardians. Rise of, that's the one with the owls, right? Uh-uh. This one's, um, it's interesting. It's a, everyone's had the, you known the fairy tale being Santa Claus, Easter Bunny, Tooth Fairy, all that. Yeah! It's that movie. It's based around them trying to protect children from the darkness, a.k.a. the boogeyman. That's right. I have not seen that. Honestly, it's really good, and I'm sure people, if you put this up, will downvote because of what I'm going to say. But you know what? It's my opinion, so they could take their thumbs and put it up their nose. <laughs> <laughs> put it up their nose! But I went to the drive-in when The Hobbit first came out, the first part of The Hobbit movie. Okay. And I was bored to tears. I was... The movie was so boring. Ooh. I, I love the Lord of the Rings trilogy. I could not stand how it was so boring. Well, and I have a thing when somebody says something that the internet, internet might hate. <laughs> I throw something out so that they're not alone. So the internet can hate me too. I'm 26 years old. I have never watched all of the, the Lord of the Rings trilogy because when I was 10, I watched like the first one or something. I don't know, but it had the Gollum guy in it and he terrified me uh don't don't feel bad about that you heard the movie roger rabbit 
absolutely terrifying. I want to rewatch it again as an adult because I'm 26 years old. I can handle a little thing, scary thing, but I'm terrified to do it. <laughs> I'm so scared to watch it. I'm such a baby. I scare so easily. And so, <laughs> so it's okay. You're not, you're, I, and I have not watched any of the Hobbit movies because if I haven't seen Lord of the Rings. Yeah. But the thing is at the drive-in, they would have double features. The Hobbit was the first movie and we were, I was bored to tears. Mm -hmm. Honestly, I was like, can we go home? It's like a, almost midnight. This movie nearly put me to sleep. The second movie was DreamWorks Rise of the Guardians. And I'm like, I like DreamWorks movies. I'll give it a shot. If nothing else, I'll just fall asleep in my car. And it was, it was amazing to me. It was far better than the Hobbit movie. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I'm glad I at least stayed for that. So I wish this was the first runner. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I'll definitely have to give that one a shot. It's uh, definitely unique. I'll give it that. I mean, the Easter Bunny is Australian. <laughs> and the Santa Claus is Russian dual wielding swords. So. I love <laughs> Sold. Instantly. Uh, Russian is always my, for some reason, it's always my go-to accent. Like, whenever somebody's like, hey, like we're playing drinking games or something, they're like, throw out an accent. It's always some kind of Eastern European for me. Always. Um, which is why I wish my, I could hear accents. I can't. My character for my Clash of Quest campaign has an Eastern-ish European accent because if I do anything else, it doesn't matter what other accent I try, it ends in Eastern European. My accents, unless I stick with Eastern European, it always like, I can start or, okay, Eastern European or Southern because, you know, I'm from Texas, so it's what I've got. But if I try um, like an English accent, I'll start English, it'll go to Scottish, and then it ends Eastern European every time. I just can't do accents, period. Every time I've tried, especially in for a game, the universal answer, I guess, either laughter or just, just don't. Just don't. <laughs> so what about a TV show? Uh, depends. Do you want cartoon, live um, shows, or anime? <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right, cartoon Invader Zim. Definitely Invader Zim. <laughs> okay, okay. Live action, Burn Notice. Okay, I've seen Burn. I've seen some bits of Burn Notice. Favorite character is Chuck Finley. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, as for anime, Hunter x Hunter. It's if you want a good idea of like where to get different abilities and powers are for DD, I honestly recommend looking into that. I've got a bit of inspiration from that as well. Okay. Awesome. And okay, that was one, two, three. One, two, three. And okay, last question. Are you ready? I hope so. <laughs> Dirty dancing or footloose? Dirty dancing. My mom grew me up on that. Perfect. Perfect. Good. And this is uh, the personal note. My mom told me that if I was born a boy, she would have named me Patrick after Patrick Sweezy. Oh, that's so sweet. <laughs> that was the perfect question to ask you then. That's fantastic. I completely agree with Dirty Dancing. Completely agree. No one puts baby in the corner. No one puts baby in the corner. Yes. <laughs> I yell that at my fiance sometimes when he, <laughs> he'll be like, like, babe, babe, do you mind? Like, can you stop doing this? And I'm like, nobody puts baby in a <laughs> unrelated. A poor man. I'm 
I'm ridiculous and he just puts up with me so well. <laughs> if everyone in the world were these normal blank slates, then there wouldn't be anything interesting and stuff like D&D &D wouldn't exist. You are so right. That is, what a good note to end this whole interview on is without D&D, &D, you know, if there were no weird people, then it would just be boring. It would be like the episode of Spongebob where he was like perfectly normal. I yeah. <laughs> look, there's another note of internet hate for me. I'll go ahead and throw it all. I also hate Invader Zim and I also hate SpongeBob. There it is. There it is. I'm honest. <laughs> Invader Zim scared me. It it I, I thought it was super scary. Oh, uh, I don't blame you there. And SpongeBob, I just I fucking hate everything about SpongeBob. SpongeBob ignites this rage in me that I should not have. It should, I should not get that angry, but Spongebob hits all those right notes for me and it just, I see nothing but red. So when like my son was like, oh mom, I have some friends who watch Spongebob. I was like, we don't do Spongebob in this house. <laughs> I have to listen to the next 18 years of Spongebob quotes. I'm not gonna make it. I'm not gonna make it. <laughs> Just put on like a pair of headphones and listen to something Voice that you enjoy. Headphones. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I also had a side note. Don't feel bad about the whole being scared of Gollum. You want to know a secret? Sure. You ever, I'm sure you've heard of the movie Roger Rabbit, right? No. You never saw that? No. Okay, so there was a movie called Roger Rabbit. It was actually a really big technical marvel at the time of seamlessly putting animated cartoons with live action people. Okay, like like Space Jam. Yeah. Okay. And um, there was the characters in there. And my husband still picks on me for this. My parents found it adorable. That um, there was these evil weasels that came on that worked for the bad guy. Okay. And they scared me so bad that from what my parents told me, I don't remember this, but when my parents told me as a little kid at the drive-in, if they appeared on the screen, I dashed underneath the dashboard of the car and hit. And even today, if we have Roger Rabbit on the TV and I see the weasels come on, I go, nope, and I leave the room. <laughs> yeah, I have a feeling I'm gonna be the same way whenever I watch Lord of the Rings. Um, the Clash of Quest campaign liked to make me watch scary things because uh, I am cool as a cucumber and s just stone-faced the whole time. So they think it's funny to make me watch scary things because I in no way react to them at all, ever. <laughs> I'm, I'm not the best person to watch those kind of movies with only because... My mom's idea of parenting of how to make your child not afraid of horror movies, have them watch a bunch of them when they're very young. I feel like the original Aliens when I was five. <laughs> so by the time I was in my early teens and I saw horror movies, I'd either be rooting for the killer because the protagonists were so unlikable and stupid. I'm like, they deserve this. They deserve, they deserve what's coming. <laughs> or I would be pointing out the entire, all the plot holes, like, so how did the guy get the, why did he know voodoo magic to get his soul inside of a doll? Yes. Uh, <laughs> I like to watch scary movies twice. 
once to watch it and you know be terrified because i'm a big baby and two the second time to <laughs> laugh at them and be like why why are you going to the basement why exactly. <laughs> yeah ever so i like to watch movies twice just for that just for the comedy because and then i have to follow it up with like bambi or something so that i don't go to bed and have nightmares because i'm the 26 year old grown baby <laughs> well, don't put yourself down like that you're not everyone <laughs> has their own things about them like i said i still see the weasels on thing roger rabbit and i leave the room <laughs> and i am terrified of spiders i see a spider and same thing i'm like nope this is the spider's house now <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I so I actually have a phobia of lizards, uh, which sounds like really funny. Like it's just a little lizard, but like it would actually stop me in my tracks. Like if there was one outside my door, I could not get into my house. Um, if like I, I, there's so many times like somebody's like walk towards me with a lizard, and I would just start sobbing and I freeze and I freak. Mm -hmm. it, it, yeah, it's a really really intense thing. Uh, and last year I was diagnosed with, uh, PTSD, which is, you know, it's a mental thing. So everything right. I had to get through was all mental. So I decided to, at the same time, cause I hate myself, I decided to also tackle my fear of lizards because that was something tangible that I could touch. Like PTSD was all in my head. Whereas right. my fear of lizards is something physical. So I got a bearded dragon. And I, you know, started taking care of it because slowly but surely I was going to tackle this fear. Uh, it was because it was exposure therapy is, is what I did. I, I did exposure therapy to fix my phobia of lizards. And now here I am. I think it's been, I think I've had her maybe six or seven months now. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, and it, it works. We do. We get along just fine now. <laughs> it was been a long road, but um, you you said fear of spiders, and it made me made me think of that. So I can I can definitely relate to that. Well, me and my husband have a deal about that too. He's actually terrified of snakes, and I love snakes, and he loves spiders. So I'm like, okay, dear, this is the agreement. The day you can have a pet spider is the day I can have a pet snake. <laughs> what a tag team! What a tag team! <laughs> Awesome. Thank you so much for doing this, Kristen. Thank You're welcome. You Thank you for having me. Oh, it's been so great. Thank you so much, everyone else, for tuning in, listening to another episode of the Forever DM. Uh, don't forget, you can watch Clash of Quests every Saturday live on twitch.tv slash Clash of Quests. Just as fun as Nat 20s.